0: Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' podcast, discussing all things audiobooks, the narrators that perform them, and the authors that write the stories. Including a special series with narrator Shane East, the Audiobook Lovin' podcast is brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Audiobook Lovin' podcast. Narrator Victoria May is with us today. Welcome, Victoria. How are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing Good. Thank you for being our guest today. I appreciate that.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: So for those who may not know you, why don't we start by having you share with us a little bit about yourself, how you became a narrator, and how long you've been narrating.
1: Sure. Um, I've been narrating about over two years now. I just passed 100 audiobooks on Audible between Victoria May and then my other self, which is Natalie Nautis. I do all my... Romance as Victoria May, and then everything else is as Natalie, mm-hmm. um, but I just passed a hundred books, yay, yay, um, and I got into this. I trained as an opera singer. I actually have a master's of music from the University of North Texas, and I was trying really hard to be an opera singer, and um amazingly enough, there's not a lot of jobs. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> it's lucrative kind of like yeah it's it's just. I mean, they call it a dying art form, and it really kind of is. And there's not many jobs. And I was working my tail off, auditioning for things, and the gigs that I did get, I was commuting to for hours and hours a day, getting paid pennies, listening to audiobooks, and I was I was pretty depressed about it, honestly. Um, you know, I, I went to school for six years and spent a lot of money traveling for auditions, and it just wasn't panning out the way I hoped. I was in kind of shitty C-list houses, singing in productions that weren't what I dreamt they would be, and um, listening to a lot of audiobooks, and I was just ready to quit. I wanted something different, anything different. All my friends, their careers in music were ending up being teaching, and I was teaching a lot of music lessons, and it was okay, but it wasn't what I wanted to do for forever. And I have I have two little kids, and I didn't want to use up all of my patience on strangers' kids, and then come home <laughs> and just let like, be totally out of it with my kids. Right. Um, so I was ready to do anything else, and I realized that people, you know, got paid to read books, and I love books. I've always loved books, and I listen to audiobooks, and um, as soon as I realized that was a possibility—that you no longer had to live in New York or LA—you could do it from home—I was all in. I quit singing. My voice teacher was like, "What the? F- you're just MIA." <laughs> like I'm like I'm out. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And um, it's worked out amazingly well for me. I was full time pretty quickly. I was able to quit my uh, piano students and my voice students, and um, I i'm just so happy doing this it's really a dream come true to actually get paid as an artist well and full time and i'm still here for my family and um it's it's amazing it's the best job ever and i really hope computers never take our jobs because i like it so much (laughs) not in my lifetime
0: (laughs) yeah they're not as smooth as you guys are that's for sure (laughs)
1: getting better but i hope not in my lifetime because i plan on riding this train to the very end so
0: (laughs) yeah i really wish that when you know when we're in high school that conversations about about careers would come up that they would be more on the side of like graphic art design narrator usually it's just a traditional teacher lawyer doctor and you know come to find out that you can do all this other stuff and i'm going dang should have done that from like day one
1: so totally Totally. And I feel sometimes I feel a little bitter about like my music past, but at the same time, all that opera training, I think really helped me. And I know a lot of narrators who have opera singer backgrounds because the vocal training and the language training that we go through and the text study that we do when we're studying libretto for operas really helps as a narrator, like the vocal stamina and the vocal flexibility it helps a lot. So even though it was, you know, I was, it was a really hard couple years there. It's, it's worked out well and it did help inform what I do now. So
0: that's cool. Do you have it on your, um, bios for when, when clients are
1: looking at you that you can sing? I have, I think on most of my bios, I mentioned that I'm trained as an opera singer. Um, but singing doesn't come in that handy with books usually. Because if there is a song, you're not supposed to sing it because of copyright. Right. Yeah. But I did do a really, uh, I'm in the middle of a series um, that's just this huge epic fantasy. And all the songs in it are created for the book. They're like folk songs that people in the book are singing to their babies and stuff. So I got to write and sing a lot of music in that. Um, But that's unusual. Usually when something shows up. If I sing it, I get a note saying, don't sing it, say it. We don't yeah. have the rights. So. <laughs> yeah. I've, the reason why I
0: ask is this seems that there's a couple of books that have been coming out lately where um, they're a rock star and the authors has gone as far as writing the music themselves or having someone to write the music for it in order to kind of add that, even yeah. if it is just a, a short you know, amount of time that they do it. But it's been kind of pretty cool to be able to get that from the narrators as well. So.
1: That is cool. I mean, most narrators can sing. I mean, we use our voices, you know, they don't suck at singing and opera singing is not like super popular or sexy. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was sexy for a long time. I like it, but it's not like, you know, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, she's an opera singer. I have to hire her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was, it's always good to have these different skill sets um, in our pockets
0: when needed. Bam. There
1: you go. Um, there we go. If anyone has a book about an opera singer... Mm-hmm. I'm totally there. Once you get cast, how do you prepare for the um, the book?
0: Do you read it in full? Do you just read your parts? How do you go about that?
1: I read the whole thing. And I, um, depending on what kind of book it is, I make a short or very, very long list of characters, terms, places, made up languages, ma- you know, made up language sentences. I, I do quite a bit of sci-fi um, and that stuff gets Super complicated. Sometimes I have hundreds of names that I have to check pronunciations. But then like contemporary romance, sometimes there's nothing. Because all the names are like Will and Jasper. And I'm like, okay, I know how to say all this. Um, And I usually make notes about like characters and start hearing the voices in my head as I get ready to record. And um, if it's with a publisher or if it's indie, I reach out to either the publisher or the author directly with my list of questions, and they get back to me, and then usually that's it. Then I have to go. I I would love to spend more time with each book before I record it, but a read through is about all the time I get because I record so much. Um, sometimes I'm depending, you know, if I'm doing a lot of dual narration books, sometimes I'm doing like eight, nine books a month. So I just have to keep moving. I keep quite busy. <laughs> It is good. It
0: yeah. is good. <laughs> um, so you use like um, you do things electronically, like with a Kindle, right?
1: I just read it on an iPad. I have um, the software a lot of narrators use is called iAnnotate, and it's easy to mark up. And I used to highlight every character spoken line with the different colors, color coordinated fancy pansy, but I don't have time anymore. And a lot of times I will get from publishers a script that says, do not record. So I have to prep from that. And then the day before I start recording, they'll send me the final proofed, you know, like the final uh, manuscript they got back from the editor. And I don't have time to, to highlight it. So I just have to go. Uh, so I've kind of trained myself to scan forward and look for, attributions about who's talking and stuff uh because i just cannot highlight everything anymore i don't always have the manuscript in time to do that that
0: mm-hmm. was yeah. important to figure out in advance because you don't want to be 400 pages in and find out that he has a russian accent
1: right well that's why <laughs> i definitely i always read it but i don't always have time to highlight the different colors for people saying things um yeah, but definitely that's the kind of surprise you don't want to have. No, yeah, for sure. How do you go about selecting the
0: characters, like how they're going to sound and the tones that they use?
1: It's it's a couple factors. I mean, first of all is the way that the author writes the character. Um, I totally want to follow how the author is describing their character, what they sound like, how they look, can influence it, where they're from. Um all other things that factor in are how much they talk and how my voice can sustain that. Um, I've gotten in trouble with books before where it just talks about this huge guy with like the darkest, raspiest, you know, voice. And like, I just get super into it. And then like 200 pages in, I'm like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> my voice hurts. Uh, so I I try to like, take what they're saying and then if i know that they talk a ton kick it back a notch like if he's like this then they can just be kind of like this just take it easy you know like don't kill yourself natalie so yeah yeah
0: or if they become a um they're a second character they're a secondary character a character in the this book that you're doing but then they become the main character in the next book
1: gosh yeah and i i do kind of shift sometimes like if um if it's a series and there's a bunch of guys and there's a different guy each book, I want each guy to sound, like, sexy. But there's only so many sexy man shades of my voice. So, like, in book one, if this is, like, the sexy guy, and then he was, like, his fun-loving friend, and then in book two, his fun-loving friend, will just kind of put him down a little bit. You know, I I kind of morph them, because if they're in the same scene, they have to sound, you know, really clearly different. But then when it's the next book and he's the main character i can kind of morph his voice subtly just a little bit nothing huge but um make it fit where it's going the
0: other thing that besides the tones that we tend to fall for when you guys are narrating are the accents what is your favorite accent to perform
1: Hmm, i don't know about favorite i definitely do a lot of um like rp british when it comes up Um, that's the only accent I've done like a whole book in. I have a, a pirate series. It's a female Captain Hook series that I'm doing and I'm doing the whole thing as first person British and it's really fun, but I don't, I just kind of got roped into this series and I'm loving it, but I don't do a lot of that because it's so time consuming for me that I have to look up words all the time to make sure I'm doing them right. Um, I like doing Russian, I had a lot of Russian piano teachers so that's like a fun fun accent to connect with maybe like Russian or RP probably are my favorites
0: so on the opposite side what is the hardest that you've had to perform so
1: far I had to do some Norwegian and that was really weird and I couldn't do it now if you made me like I just <laughs> I kind of like honed it in for like those couple chapters where the grandparents were showing up and then it just has evaporated from my mind like I, I don't even know anymore <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to really yeah that one's rusty and that was that's a hard one it's that's it's a weird yeah I don't know I'm just not good at that one I'd have to work on it yeah there's some that like yeah
0: for sure there's some that are difficult like that one I would assume is difficult I know if other narrators have said the uh, South African accents another one oh yeah oh I
1: did do a book recently that's uh coming out in November that I had to do, um, like a Ghanaian accent for one of the main characters. Yeah, that was hard. It, I really worked on it. I hope it's not terrible. I don't think it was bad, but, um, yeah, I, it's just, it was, there's accents that you might be better at than others, but like as a narrator, if it comes up, you would just have to do it. So, um, so we just do our best. So, Be kind in reviews. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, like maybe that's not our specialty, but we just did our best for like that one page. Like if it was a huge part of it, we probably would have told the publisher, like, maybe you want to pick someone else. But just for a character or two, um, cut us some slack. Yeah. Sometimes these reviews are like the worst possible. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you felt like that. (laughs) and it's also uh, it's very subjective at the
0: same time i mean we had a
1: totally
0: perfect example is um, um, gary furlong he's irish he did a book in a character of irish and the review said worst irish (laughs) accent ever (laughs) it's hilarious when that happens yeah and i'm like uh yeah he's irish um, so it's just because we get used to like the lucky charms at, you know, character right. for some of these, totally. uh, accents yeah. and things like that. So it's, uh, very subjective. So I, I try to definitely as something that I don't really nitpick when it comes down to the narrators and the reviews. I don't nitpick about that.
1: Yeah. I just did this book in, um, for Ilona Andrews and the longtime narrator for Ilona Andrews has been Renee Rodman. And in fact, when the literary agent sent me an email and I saw that Renee Rodman has done all of their books, I was like, are you sure? Because I don't want to take over a series. People are going to hate me like like these these books have thousands of reviews, like they're incredibly popular. And um, they said, no, no, it's a different character in the series from her perspective. So we want a different narrator and I was like, okay. So I really did my research. I downloaded the previous audio, a couple of the audiobooks. I listened to them. I made sure that I carried over. She had made all of the vampires British. So I made sure that I carried over the accents for the characters that carried over. I made sure I said things right. And the reviews have mostly been good, but sometimes people who take the time to write ones are huge haters. And they're like, bring back Renee Rodman. And they're like, <laughs> oh. what's with the stupid vampire accents? And I actually had a reviewer defend me to another reviewer on Audible. And they were like, I think it fits the vampires because they're pompous and it makes sense that they would be British. But the whole point is I didn't pick them to be British. She already gave them that accent and I was just carrying it on. Yeah. So Well, first, it's awesome that you did that research
0: because it is very difficult to pick up a series that has had a previous narrator, you know, whether it's just three books or 15,000 books. It's really difficult, um, especially when we fall in love with those narrators from a listener perspective. I Uh,
1: totally understand. And I know that listeners, some people are going to hate it. But I do appreciate that most listeners try to... um, Give the new narrator a chance because sometimes it's literally just our job and, you know, we're doing our best to honor the other narrator and we might love like Renee Rodman. Oh, my gosh. I have incredible respect for her. Um, But you never know what happened with the series or the narrator and it you just have no idea what happened and the new person is never responsible for whatever happened before.
0: (laughs) Well funny thing is though that when it comes down to the authors and when they're writing the series and then they have a spin-off series or they're going like in this in this case it's from a different character perspective. I like when they change the narrators because I get used to listening to, you know, one narrator doing all these characters, but now it's someone else. So it'd be nice to hear something else you know, another way of doing
1: anything. So. Yeah. Yeah, And in fact, um, they, I, I probably read too much, but they made a blog post about it and they had like hundreds of comments. And they said that one of the reasons that they had, cause Ilona Andrews is a husband wife team. That's why it's they, it's the Royal thing. Um, (laughs) the reason that they had, one of the reasons they wanted to go with the new narrator was one Renee Rodman was so busy, they couldn't book her anymore. And secondly, um, some listeners were saying that she had done so many series for them, they couldn't hear a difference between anybody anymore, you know, because we're our voices are finite. You know, I have maybe a 100 distinct voices in my voice, you know, mm-hmm. and at some point over years and years in series after series, it's nice to have switch it up. Here's some new people. So yeah,
0: I like it when they when we get a new narrator um, with different theories or when authors are not always doing the same narrators for all their books, even if they're not uh, a series.
1: Cause yeah. like you said,
0: they kind of like, wait, is that this character from this book? Cause it sounds exactly
1: like it. Right. Totally. Because I reuse whole narrators. We reuse characters, you know, For sure. we got our gruff guy, we got our snooty lady. Like we definitely recycle people. Of course. <laughs> the, um,
0: Romance is a genre all in its own, and I always say that it's an umbrella genre because there's all these sub-genres underneath them. Totally. Do you have a favorite subgenre to perform?
1: I do. And it, it's, um, I think it's lesfic. I love recording lesbian fiction. It it has all these other books under its own genre, too. Mm-hmm. Um... Like I do like straight up like contemporary lesbian romance and then sometimes they're murder mysteries and sometimes it's a fantasy. Um, I'm doing this American Yakuza trilogy right now by Isabella and it's like a Yakuza Japanese American crime boss falls in love with this Financial Times reporter and it's it's intense and it's kind of like BDSM lesbian fiction like they like go to a bondage club and sometimes they get tied up and it's like weird but super hot um i don't know i really like recording lesbian fiction it's one of my one of my favorite subgenres in romance um i do a lot of fantasy which is fun i've done quite a few reverse harem and that genre seems to be going strong yes um I, I guess when I first started doing them, I thought it was going to be just like a new fad and maybe kind of peter out, but it's, it's going strong. I have, I keep booking reverse harem series and those are fun because you got to come up with three plus distinct sexy guys. So that's always fun. Um, yeah. But I would say Lesvik, probably my favorite.
0: Yeah. It, yep. it, I keep seeing that uh, genre pop up more recently. Um, cause you know, from an LGBTQ community, the, from a book perspective, romance, the MM, so male, male is very right. popular, um, right. and all the subgenres, and there's not a whole lot of lesbian fiction out there. And that's starting to be more, um, popular as well as not only in the written word, but it's also now coming to audio. So I'm happy to do that, you know, to see that happening yeah, yeah. and give us a, there's
1: a lot of lesbian fiction. It's not as popular as the MM. But I think its heyday is coming, yeah, uh, because it's it's beautiful. A lot of the authors, it's beautiful writing, smart, fun. It's good stuff, and um, I, I really enjoy it um, from from a variety of perspectives. And I, I think that it's it's prime for more mainstream popularity. And I guess one of the Maybe the selfish reason, one of the selfish reasons that I enjoy doing it is because the, uh, the audience for it is mostly queer women Mm -hmm. and there's so much more complimentary about my narration than straight (laughs) women. You know, when I do, um, whenever I do a dual narration, Mm -hmm. the reviews are usually gushing about the man and then they're like, and Victoria was all right. Sometimes, <laughs> so, sometimes they're very positive to me, too. But in general, the women are more fans of the male narrators than the female, I find. It's I true. Mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, because their voice is sexually doing something for them, yes. you know? So it makes sense to me. But I don't hate all of these reviews on my lesbian fiction books saying she has the sexiest voice I've ever heard. And I'm like, thank you very much. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think anybody would
0: mind hearing that no matter what they're you know, talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I like a little attention. What can cool. I say? Okay. Besides the writing being excellent, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I like it. And I feel like it's, um. I was raised super conservative. Like I didn't know any gay people. I thought, that gay people were bad. Like, this is what I was taught growing up. So when I got to college and I was in the arts and I started meeting gay people, I was like, oh my gosh, my whole upbringing, I just, I don't know. I feel like I have years to make up for of misunderstanding and and feeling prejudice and even unfounded hatred just because I'm told that these people... Are doing something wrong and so it just it feels redemptive to me to really be a part of of that literary movement i really enjoy it so
0: is there a genre that you have yet to narrate in that you'd like to
1: um i i've done a lot of stuff like i definitely want to do more of things like I want to do more sci-fi. I want to do more straight thrillers. Super specific. I've never done a like apocalyptic medical book where like germs kill us all. I've always wanted to do (laughs) do those. I'm pretty much always down for a movie about, about a mysterious disease that kills everybody. I like books about that too. So (laughs) I'm still waiting for that medical thriller book to come in. Uh, but, no, I, I do a lot of stuff, and I like mixing it up. Um, I just did this dark, dark romance series for Ashley Jade. Uh, book one is out, The Devil, and then The Devil's Advocate is coming out soon. It's with Teddy Hamilton and Soren Gray. And when I got it, when I got that manuscript, I was like, this might be too dark. I don't know if I can do it. Uh, it's it's pretty terrifying and, like, just Fucked up, just so twisty, uh, but I kind of had a great time doing it, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to spoil anything, but there's just something about like everything being fucked up and then like getting revenge on vindication at the end that's like a total high, and I was you know going into it, I was like, people are really into this, and then I was like, Oh, yeah, I guess I'm kind of into it too, and I guess that makes me a weird freak, but it was super cool. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think it's a whole part of the fantasy of being able to live vicariously through these characters, Um, either because they've never done something before, like, you know, like, like with the BDSM genre, you know, I love Mm -hmm. reading that stuff too. And it's one of those where I'm going, Ooh, that might be interesting, honey. Um, (laughs) 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 Read this. Um, And so when it comes down to all these different genres in the dark one, I was talking. Who was it? Someone posted something on social media, and it was one of those dark, really dark books. And the reviews are mixed, um, mm-hmm. but I take those with a grain of salt. Um, it's not, you know, not, not every genre is for everyone. That's why they have we have totally. so many. Um, but totally. it's also kind of interesting to see how the characters go from one one point to the next, and then how they, you know, how they are redeemed or how do they survive? Because we're we've never been through that. Um, so again, it's living vicariously. So I like it when the authors can take you there.
1: It's always fun to read something unlike anything you've read before. Totally, there is um, one of my favorite authors is Neil Gaiman, and he has a collection of short stories called, I think it's called Trigger Warning. And in the in the intro, he talks about trigger warnings and how we warn people of triggers, and how he's read things before that when he finished he was uncomfortable and kind of wished he hadn't read it but things like that mold who you are and mm-hmm. uh teach you things and give you surprising new experiences and um that's that's how I feel about dark romance like I'm not I don't do a ton of it and I don't think I could live there because I got to get out and like yeah and yeah but um but I don't know. There's something, something uh, seductive about going to some dark, crazy place that you never imagined you would go in your imagination. Mm -hmm. And then, and then coming out of it, it's, it's, it's an emotional arc that I hope to not experience in real life.
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. You have to be in the mood for it, um, or get yourself in the mood for it when you're reading it or now narrating it. Um, do you record it and keep your outtakes?
1: No, I
0: just punch back and keep going. Well, I know a lot of the narrators have been doing like blooper reels and things like that, and you guys are a hoot when you guys share those. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like sometimes, yeah, sometimes I make little booth videos, but I don't. I haven't done blooper reels. Although the other day I did lose my place on the page and I yelled "fuck," and then I looked up and that was the next line. Oh. Wow! So it so it was correct. So that blooper stayed in. Wow! <laughs> It'll probably never happen again.
0: Okay, we never know. Um, is there an author or narrator that you wish to work with that you haven't yet?
1: Hmm. I mean, there are sci-fi authors who I would love to work with, who I I follow on Twitter, and I'm always like following their new releases. Um, I, so obscure, but I love the Japanese author, Haruki Murakami. I would give a kidney to narrate one of his books. They are so cool. Uh, And they get translated into English and, um, but they're mostly from male perspectives and most of them have been recorded. He doesn't write that many books. Um, Neil Gaiman would be amazing. Uh and then there's a bunch of of romance authors that I would love to um work with eventually, but I'm you got to work your way up there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um as far as narrators to work with, I'm not I don't crush too hard on the dudes I work with Teddy Hamilton now and then, and he's really cool. And I am actually a huge fan of his narration. Um, he's so skilled. And my, um, my... I guess he's out about his pseudonym, isn't he? It's not... <laughs> eh, sort of-ish. Well, my kids listen to some of his, his kids' books that mm-hmm. he's done, and um, I did a book with him, and I was listening back to it. And he just has a talent for taking like the essence of somebody's voice and mimicking their voice without really mimicking it, but you can tell who it is. Just so impressed. I did this book with him and Joe Arden, and I had listened to Joe Arden trying to get ready to kind of, you know, find the essence of his voice for me to do, and I kind I think I missed the mark. But then I heard Teddy doing Joe Arden's voice, and I was like, that's it. He caught it. Just something about the shuffle and the way Joe Arden da 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 when he talks, he like, he he (laughs) nailed it. And after that, I was like, it was like he pointed it out to me and I could do it then. But, uh, just listening to it, I wasn't able to find it for myself. So he's really cool. Um, I'm trying to think about who else I would want to work with. I have a lot of girlfriends that I would love to do books with. I did a, um, a thriller with Sarah Puckett that we just did recently that was super fun to do and I did a thriller with Aaron Mallon for Simon & Schuster that's out called Pretty Revenge and that was so cool to work with Aaron Mallon so pretty much all of my gal friends I would love to narrate books with the guys yes but like I don't know I I hang out with girls more than guys so yeah we all have <laughs> our thing <laughs> yeah. yeah when you're not working what do you do for fun Oh, gosh. I have two little kids, so I'm just trying to trying to stay alive here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I do anything for fun these days. I just uh, try to get my kids to school and make sure they have clean clothes and make sure they're eating food and get them to bed and try to prep my next book is pretty much it right now. If I do have time, I go for a walk. Um, I like to drink the occasional glass of wine. that's about it. I pretty much work and try to take care of my children who I love so much and who also drive me absolutely bonkers. And it's their jobs to do that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How old are your kids? Uh, I do. I have
0: one son. He's 17. So my, him driving me batshit crazy comes into where, you know, the moodiness comes into play. The, uh, the not responding when you ask him a question or the, he has perfected the
1: eye roll. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, my my girls are four and six. So it's like lots of just temper tantrums and lots and lots of feelings. And, you know, they're not always being bad. They're just like sad or emotional. And I'm trying so hard to be patient. And I'm like caring about the little people's feelings. But then when I finally like get them off to school... I'm like, fuck, who cares about my feelings? Like, I have some (laughs) feelings about this, too. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, today, I was literally talking to myself in the car. And I was like, I feel like I need to call in a professional for this. And like, fuck, I'm the professional. Like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah,
0: parenting is hard. I mean, there's moments, too, where I have very similar to you. Like, what the f- Why am I so worried about them? And- who's going to take care of me? And wh- when do my needs get, you know, uh, yeah. at least a- acknowledged? And so I've learned to ask the question, like, are you okay? Are you mad or something? And then for them to go, no. And I'm like, okay. And then usually I would go, I uh, would try to follow up, like trying to figure out what that emotion was because it seems that they can't really express themselves. Like they don't know if they're angry or they're, you know, upset or perturbed or they're just meh, you know? Yeah. Um, I've now got to a point where I asked once, And what he tells me, I'm like, okay, if you want to talk, let me know. Right, because it's his choice. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just one of those, I was getting aggravated. Like, why don't you tell me? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Totally.
0: And, uh, but yeah, uh, kids are great. They all go through their stages, so um, you'll get there.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Today was just one of those days that my four-year-old was just like, crying and then I'm like can I put on your pants and she's like no I'm like I don't even know what you're saying like I I don't know how to deal with this but I guess I'm the only adult here so I'm gonna have to
0: (laughs) well it's funny they're 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 trying to get their independence and mine who has the independence will come home from work and he's like what'd you make me for dinner and I'm like uh you're 17 (laughs) but you're my mom And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. It's like, you're supposed to take care of me. And I'm like, really? I I don't know anymore what to do (laughs) because I do this and then you get mad. I don't do this and you get mad. So I'm like, I go frozen pizzas or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. What do you want?
1: (laughs) There you go. I don't know why kids are the worst behaved for their moms. Yeah. Because I know I was, and I still am sometimes, kind of rude to my mom, Um. And I see it with my kids. They behave for me like they would not behave for anyone else.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I, I've been told that it's because they feel safe with us and that they love us and that they know that no matter what the hell comes out of their fucking mouth, we're still going to
1: love them because they're our kids. I guess I'm glad they have that confidence. Yeah. And I, I do love them, but mm. holy fuck.
0: Sometimes. <laughs> Whew. Craziness. Um Speaking of some craziness and some having some fun, I like to do a little bit of a game towards the end of a conversation. So okay. I actually got a brand new set of stuff, and I thought that you'd be my first Okay. To do the "Would You Rather" bunch of questions. So I found All right, a couple of good it. one. Okay, so ready? Would so you... I'm just gonna
1: like. All right, go ahead. Okay,
0: sorry. So I'll ask, and then you can tell me. All right. Okay. Would you rather be an unimportant character in the last movie you saw? Or an unimportant character in the last book you read?
1: Um, Let's see, the last movie I saw was the new Breaking Bad movie on Netflix. Okay, and then the last book I read was a cool time travel book I'm prepping. I will go with the time travel book. Because in those Breaking Bad, Movies and TV show, the unimportant characters are like so sad. Yeah. (laughs) Like strung out druggies, no money, no hope. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Would you rather have to read out loud every word you read or sing everything you say out loud? Sing everything I say out loud.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I read fast. I would hate to have to say everything I read, even Mm -hmm. though I do have to say most of what I read. But if I had to... Say it when I was prepping it. Good grief. No. Yeah. No.
0: (laughs) Sing it. Yeah. Sounds also like it might be more fun to do it that way too. Yeah. Singing. Um, Would you rather write a novel that will be widely considered the most important book in the past 200 years, but you and the book will only be appreciated after your death or, (laughs) (laughs) because there's that little caveat,
1: or be the most
0: famous erotica writer of your generation?
1: Oh, gosh. Most famous erotica writer. Absolutely. Yeah, right? <laughs> is that even a question?
0: Yeah, when I saw these, because I was, like, you know, Googling, and I'm like, oh, I have to include these sets of questions.
1: So. Erotica is important, too. hmm
0: <laughs> I just like the appreciation in the moment, too. You know? Yeah. afterwards. I mean, it's great yeah. that we think of Shakespeare... And, you know, and, you know, Brontes and Dix and all that kind of stuff, but to be in the moment and see it happen, is like, awesome.
1: Oh, gosh. I spent years as an unappreciated singer and like to live your life like that. And then only after you're dead, people are like, man, she was awesome. Fuck mm-hmm. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be able to control fire or water? Uh, fire, I think. Hmm. I'm not sure of all the implications of this. I'd have to think through it, but my my gut instinct is fire because I like it.
0: Yeah, so I'm a Pisces, so I totally gravitate towards water all the time.
1: I mean, what would you do if you would control water? Uh, like I want to be able to burn shit.
0: <laughs> so you're more the active, and more I'm more the passive.
1: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs>
0: Would you rather teleport anywhere or be
1: able to read minds? I might help you with your kids. Teleport. Teleport anywhere. Me too. Free travel. Yeah. I don't want to know what people are thinking about me. Gosh. (laughs) You know? Because sometimes people think horrible things about you and like I would rather just not know. Yeah. Or sometimes that's like this
0: internal voice and you can get misconstrued and stuff. So yeah. I would rather rather so much travel and be able to teleport anywhere. Totally. The last one. Okay. Would you rather never have to clean a bathroom again? Oh, gosh. Or never have to do dishes again?
1: Oh, my goodness. Dishes. There's way more dishes than bathroom cleaning. That's true. (laughs) Totally.
0: Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, no, dishes. I would rather not have to do any dishes ever again.
1: So many dishes. (laughs) I would have like an extra life if I never had to do dishes. Yeah, especially with the little kids. Yeah, for sure. totally
0: <laughs> cool well thank you for hanging out with us today I totally appreciate it
1: this was fun it thanks was. for having me
0: yeah it was very very fun we hope you enjoyed this episode of the audiobook living podcast make sure to follow us on our social media platforms subscribe to the Viviana of Book newsletter And don't forget to submit your questions for the this and that for Shane East for next time that we talk about with him rather and uh, until next time happy listening Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Loving podcast hosted by Viviana Enchanters of Books. For links and more info about today's episode or the Audiobook Loving series, visit VivianaEnchantersOfBooks.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast if you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, happy listening.